This is a recording from a sermon from Light Church in San Diego, California. For more information, please visit lightsandiego.com. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Benji. Um, it's, uh, I have a lot of emotion being here with you. I think, one, because I, I have been praying for revival f- for 10 years, and I'm going to pray till I die. It's just one of those life things. It's forever that we have a God who loves to revive things that just look so gone and dead, and God wants to bring that to this city. Like, what, Imagine, like, people all over the world go, man, have you ever been to San Diego? And it's not the weather. It's not SeaWorld. It's like, man, have you ever been to San Diego? It's just touching foot on that soil. It's like you can't help but feel God's presence. That's, I feel God wants to do something like that for this city. And if you're not a Christian, you think that's kind of weird and crazy. Um, it's just the idea that sometimes geography in local places can carry like a fragrance of God's presence. It's, I'm using metaphors. I don't know how to explain this spiritual thing here. You know how someone can maybe be in a space and then walk away and you can still smell their perfume or their, you know, their, or their, or their cologne, but like in a really, you know, good way, like God's presence does carry a fragrance with it. And I really can't tell you how, what an honor it is to be here with you because I really believe that Benji and Jen are handpicked by God to be here with you and for us. I've been living in Encinitas for 18 years, and man, there's something special about what God's doing here with you. So I'm going to just try to come alongside and encourage you with some scripture and and a word from God. But for me, I think I'm getting the most out of this whole time here. So thank you for letting me be here with you. How about we start with this this, uh, story? Um, I'm driving to go pick up my son. Have you ever driven through Rancho Santa Fe? You know those windy roads. Have you ever gotten lost out there? I guess you don't now because you got like, you know, Google Maps and whatnot. But, you know, it's easy to get lost if you're not using it. It's like all these windy roads and no street lights and whatnot. I'm going to get my son. It's dark and I'm just cruising at my own speed, my own pace. And then all of a sudden I can just see my rearview mirror lights shining really brightly in my face. I see this car really coming up fast behind me, full speed, right up on my tail, aggressively, flipping on the high beams and just just following me. You know, I, next thing you know, I am like, without even realizing it, I'm picking up the pace and I'm going faster than I'm comfortable with. And I know that because I can hear my own tires screaming around the corners like, wow, wow, you know, and that's a bad thing for this guy because I'm a terrible driver. I've totaled four of my five cars I've owned in my life. I am legitimately a bad driver. I should I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm just like, why is this guy on my tail, you know? Have you ever had that happen where people come up and you just feel this obligation to go fat? No, some of you are like, no, I never feel this way. Okay. You know, some of us are just not wired like that. But, you know, I can be a little bit of a people pleaser. And I'm trying to get out of this guy's way. But the faster I go, the faster this person behind me goes. And then it just dawns on me, why am I doing this? I don't like going this fast. I don't feel comfortable, man. I might just fly off the road. And, and, I, and, and we can just kind of get there in life. You know what I mean? Where all of a sudden life circumstances comes up behind us with its high beams on driving us into a pace of life that we don't feel comfortable with, that we don't feel maybe it's good for our soul. And we just are like, man, how do I hit the brakes and slow it down? But we don't feel like we can we feel like there's no way out. We just aren't a one-way road. We just got to keep the pedal to the metal. Maybe, you know, for some of us tonight, you're kind of there. You're kind of in a pace where you feel like, man, I wish I could slow down. You know, there's a lot of good things that you and I want to do, and there's a lot of good things that we kind of have to do. As my children are finding out, they have to get up and brush their teeth. They just got to do it. It's just one of those burdens of life. They've got to shower. You know, they got to put deodorant on. It's just got to be done. And there's, we all got those things all the way out through our life. But there's always this nagging feeling. I don't know if you ever felt it where, man, you just feel there's got to be more than rushing around and being so busy. That's what I want to talk about um, tonight as we get this passage from Jesus' life. Um, this tension, this desire to want to slow down 
is real. This tension that keeps us going is real. And even 2,000 years later, when they didn't have cell phones and they weren't constantly on the go, um, they felt that tension. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago, no cell phone? When you walk out the front door, nobody knows where you are. Isn't that an amazing thought? But yet, even then, without Instagram and Snapchat and emails constantly here, you know, people still felt the tension of being distracted and busy and running at full speed. Listen to this passage, and we're going to find that even 2,000 years later, this is actually something that's core to part of us as humans. It's a core temptation as a human being, regardless of technology. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, Martha, she was distracted by all her Twitter feed. No. By all, it's, you know, it's just same issue, different stuff. By all the distractions, all the preparations, it says, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. What a powerful moment this little section is here. This idea that Martha's distracted, literally in the Greek, means to be pulled away. Like things that pull on our attention, that pull on us physically, that pull on our schedules, that make it hard to keep our attention and our focus on what matters most to us. All of us, all of us, every one of us, find ourselves distracted from the things that mean the most to us. And that's what we see here with Martha. She goes out to get Jesus, and yet she loses her focus on the very person she wanted to spend the most time with. We'll start with Mary for a second here. Mary. Mary is like a gift, right? Mary sits at Jesus' feet. Now, I love Mary because Mary, on the one hand, represents that part of every single one of us that longs to be connected to God. We just see Mary, right, sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening to him. Now, for Mary to do that was a really radical thing. For women to sit at the feet of a rabbi is to would have been to assume the position of a student to a rabbi, and that was countercultural. That was offensive, and not her place. But it's so amazing, Jesus, just the breaker of all cultural moors and traditions. It says, just welcomes her there, and like I said, she represents that yearning in all of our soul to connect with God and to experience that peace that comes from being centered on the one who loves us and made us and created us. And then there's, but then there's Martha. And I just love Martha even more. Above all, I love Martha. Okay, let me tell you why. I love the fact that Martha, is, she's just, she's like got a lot of like, you know, it's a, it's a phrase, so forgive me, this is a little salty for you, but she's got a lot of piss and vinegar. I mean, she just straight up comes out and, like, tries to boss Jesus around. Like, don't you care that my sister tell her to come with me? You know, she gets kind of bossy with Jesus. One of the only people that we see actually tries to boss Jesus around. Um, but not only that, she's got a lot of gumption. If it wasn't for Martha, Jesus would never have been in her home for Mary to enjoy. And there's something bold and audacious, and just like a go-get-him kind of personality about Martha that we got to love. And I love that about her. But there's also something about Martha that I love. I can relate to her. I don't know about you, but when I look at Mary and see her at Jesus' feet, I want to be like that. I want to be there. But in a lot of ways, I relate to the posture that Martha's in. Distracted by all these things that are important, that have to be done, that need to be done, and losing focus on the one who means the most in my life. And that's what's so great about Martha. She, because she's so honest about her situation, she's so forthright, I feel like we can relate to her and we can find our voice in her. And that, and that, we can kind of put ourselves in her position and allow Jesus to minister to us the way that she, he ministers to her. Jesus leads Martha through three steps to find, to regain her focus on him. 
The first step that he helps her take is the reset. The second is the soul check. The third is the challenge. Reset, soul check, challenge. Three little movements that Jesus brings her along through to bring her back to him. And maybe tonight you need to allow Jesus to do this for you. So let's start with the first, all right? The first step is the reset. Can you say this reset with me? Reset. I just like to do that because it keeps you guys engaged and keeps maybe, it actually helps you remember what you're being told. So this reset moment is really important. It says in verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. I love this moment because she's like just like a world, like a Tasmanian devil of good works and activity and preparation. You know, she's just getting stuff done and she comes out there you know, like blowing the whole room up with like who's not doing what they should be doing. And she's kind of intense. She's a little rude. And Jesus is just like, Martha, Martha. When you see Jesus in this moment, how do you read his tone? Do you read him like, do you have a, maybe a, a voice of your parent or some authority figure in your mind? Martha, Martha, you know, what are you doing right now? You're such an idiot, you know. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I could get my own parents' thought, you know, voice in my head. Ryan, Ryan, you know, clean up your room. And maybe there's some authority figure you get when, and you project on the Jesus here. And maybe sometimes we do that with God. You know, we kind of project the voice of some authority figure in our life onto God. And we just really miss the heart of God. I, I think Jesus is approaching her not with frustration or anger, but I think he's approaching her with a kindness and a gentleness. And he moves to reset her tone. You know, she's in this house, and she's got Jesus in her house, but even having Jesus in her house doesn't mean she's aware of him and listening to him. Isn't that interesting? You can have God in your house and not be listening to him and lose sight of him. Isn't that a crazy thought, to have God physically just sitting there and to lose sight of him? How much more easy is it for us today? We have Jesus in our life. Maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got him in your heart, you've got him in your life, you've got him in your home. And yet, even then, we can lose touch with him and lose our focus on him. And that's what we see is happening to Martha. You can hear the gentle, humble tone in Jesus' voice. He's not judgmental. He's not patronizing. He speaks to her personally and patiently. He resets the tone not only in her, but in the whole room. Now watch this, Matthew 11. This is the heart of God. Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that an amazing passage? I want you just to, can you see that with me? Can you see that? Okay, can you guys read that? Yeah? Okay, let's read that together. Ready? Let's read it together, out loud. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wow, isn't that an awesome thing about God? You see, when you're under a heavy burden, you are not under the yoke of God. What is yoke? It's something that would connect animals to each other. You know, often they would labor together. They would be under this wooden beam that would connect them. And what Jesus is saying is when you are under a heavy yoke, even doing religious things, even doing good things, even doing things that need to be done, and you are not under my peace, and you are not experiencing my gentleness and my goodness, you are not under my yoke. Wow. But isn't that good news? Isn't it good news that the heavy yoke that you're feeling in your life is not from God? Isn't that an awesome thing? And maybe it discourages you. Like, I'm not under God's yoke. I'm not under God's yoke. I need to get under yoke. And God is saying, hey, tonight, don't be so anxious. Don't be troubled. It's really pretty easy to come underneath his light and easy yoke. He's so gentle and kind in how he gets us there. Watch how he does it with Martha. Because some of us here tonight need to get there with him in our life. The heart of God is full of grace and mercy. He's not a heavy taskmaster. 
He is full of unshakable peace, and he made us to live from it. And tonight, we need to let Jesus, some of us, we need to let Jesus reset the tone of our day today. Maybe today you've been anxious and caught up, and that's what tonight is about. Really, Benji and Jen and all the, the worship team and everyone who puts, goes, goes through the work to put this on, you know what tonight is about? Tonight is about creating a space for you to hit the pause button and look inside your soul to do a soul check, to see what's happening in here. And what's so powerful about that is it resets the tone on your day. This is about letting you pause and let Jesus come into whatever junk you're bringing. Don't leave it at the door. Don't come in here with your piety. Don't come in here like you got it all figured out. Come in here with all the stuff that's not figured out. Come right now. Bring to mind right now all the stuff that's troubling you and burning you and frustrating you or scaring you or agitating or depressing you. Bring that right here, right now. Bring it to the forefront of your mind. Don't try to get into some kind of spiritual mindset. It's like, I have no problems. Everything is working perfectly. I have a six-pack, but I eat, you know, VG uh, donuts every day. <laughs> I am a straight-A student. Don't, don't go there. That's not Jesus. Jesus is all about bring me your problems. Bring me your grief. Bring me your troubles. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, because I'm going to give you rest. Man, that's awesome. What, what do you have to bring to Jesus tonight? I mean, maybe it's not your burden. Maybe it's someone you love. Maybe it's like a friend or a family member, you know, your neighbor, someone you care about. Maybe there's a burden that God's putting on your heart that's not yours, that he's saying, bring that to me. I want to come into that. Don't be like Martha and disappear. Be like Martha who's bringing it to Jesus. And that's what's so great about Martha. She brings her burden to Jesus. Isn't that so cool? She comes in there, blowing the doors open, and Jesus is like, perfect. Perfect. And he resets the tone of her day, her heart, her life. Where do you need to let Jesus reset the tone of your heart, your thoughts, and your life right now? Let's go to the, uh, can I tell that? Man, one time I was really stuck. I was I had a lot of pressure, a lot of things with deadlines that I had to get done. And I was freaking out. I had to get this thing with my book I'm writing done on time. I get this sermon ready on time. And we had family visiting. And there was so much happening. I was just like stuck at my computer trying to write something. I could not finish this message. I had to give that weekend. It was Friday. And I was really, to be honest, to be frank, stressed. Yeah, pastors get crazy stressed, unfortunately. And because we're just as human as anyone else. And the only reason why we have anything to preach is because we have to live it first and then speak about it, you know? So anything I speak is because I've been there, done that. <laughs> right? Amen, bro? Amen. <laughs> I was just stressed, and I just felt this invitation from God, stop striving and come walk with me. Uh, do you ever hear God? Do you ever hear, feel like you hear God speak to you? you ever have a moment where you feel like God's getting your attention. I had that moment. I went for a walk, and it's the last thing I felt like I could do. I was under the gun. I was under time constraints. I felt like I just had to keep writing and knocking my head against a brick wall that wasn't budging. But I decided to follow this nudge, this prompting of the Spirit, go for a walk with Jesus, because sometimes what you need to do is put down all the effort you're making at a problem you're not resolving and open yourself to God and what He wants to do. And I went for this walk with Jesus, and I'm walking. It's a 45-minute walk. I'm like, okay, 10-minute walk, Jesus. I'm getting ready to make the U-turn for the 10-minute version, and he's like, keep going, keep going. Now, I, this is not a sermon about hearing God's voice, so I can't go into to the details of how I know. Well, that's another sermon. But nonetheless, I, I get this sense that God's saying, keep going. It's like challenge in my spirit. Keep moving. Okay, all right, God, I'm going to keep going. And I'm walking, and I just start trying to praise God. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. And God's just like, is that what you're really feeling? So then I put that aside for a minute, and I just start telling God how stressed and afraid and anxious and frustrated I am. And then I just feel his presence come alongside me. Like there's nothing I'm going through that's too big for him. And I start, then I start praising him. Then I'm like, man, God, you've never been unfaithful to me. You've helped me every time I've needed it. 
and I start meditating. I have like a scripture I always go to when I'm really sick. Ever watch the movie um, Inception? Yeah, remember that little thing they would spin to know that if they're in the dream or fake world, dream world or real world? If you haven't seen it, it's a cool movie. Psalm 23 is what anchors me in reality. I go through that when I'm upside down. It's easy. I know it by heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He makes me rest in green mails. He leads me to five peaceful streams. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. I just boom, 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 boom. I just know it. I'm just reciting it, and I can just feel my spirit just being reset. By the time I got home, I had the full outline for the sermon done right up here. Done. Let Jesus reset you. Second step, soul check. Everyone say soul check. You gotta do a soul check, guys. That's what this that's what, what why we come here, right? It's to it's to get a reset and to look inside. When he says you are quote worried and upset about many things to Martha, Jesus is not giving Martha advice. What's he doing? What is Jesus doing when he says, You are upset about many things? What's he doing? Is he judging her? You have lost it, Martha. Get a hold of yourself, woman. I mean, is he giving her grief? Is he trying to ridicule her? What is he really doing here? It's not, it's not advice. No advice there. Someone telling you that you're upset is not advice. It's an observation meant what? To help Martha gain some self-awareness. Because we are not as always as self-aware of what's going on inside of us. Have you ever had a moment where you are just so upset and someone's like, you seem kind of irritated. I am not irritated. I am just passionate. I feel strongly. You know, have you ever found yourself in a place emotionally when someone says, you seem upset. Hey, are you okay? You seem, and it all of a sudden it just triggers something in you and you want to cry. You know, because you're holding it inside. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus can see her heart, and he's like, you're upset, and he's bringing some self-awareness to her, in particular, emotional awareness. Why is that so important? Why is emotional awareness so important? Because when we're motivated by negative emotion, like fear, anxiety, and worry, and anger, and we're not aware of it, these things have influence on us, and on the people around us in a destructive way. These things, these kinds of emotions can put us into a survival mode, a fight or flight reaction. And as human beings, we all have that. When you are really upset about something and something is hurtful, painful, or upsetting, it can put us into a survival mindset. It kicks into gear our fight or flight reactions where we want to fight with someone. Oh, you are not going to tell me you know, that I'm not doing well enough, or we want to run away. Oh, you know, you don't like me. I'm going to go hide somewhere, and then I'm going to call you again. We all have that, and that kind of survival mode makes it hard to stop and slow down and be still with God because when you have a grizzly bear on your tail, it's hard to stop and get quiet. Let me explain. Grizzly bears. Enter the grizzly bear. So imagine you're on a beautiful scenic hike. You're walking through the wilderness, you know, and you're just with your friend. Like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. And lo and behold, a grizzly bear is there. I know, in Torrey Pines, you know, beyond all, you know, possible imagination, there it is, and it's, it's staring at you and staring you down. And it notices you, shifts its heavy lumbering shoulders and just kind of fixes on you and starts kind of making its way towards you. What does every impulse in your body want to make you to do? You want to run your guts out. I mean, that is just the fight or flight. You want, listen to how rational this is. You want to outrun an animal that can run 40 miles an hour and cover 50 yards in three seconds, and you want to run. We all want to run. That's what the fight or flight does. It makes us do things the opposite of what we should do, because the very thing we should do is so counterintuitive to the fight or flight. Let me take, for example, what the experts say we should do with a bear. Number one, do not run. Okay, so there goes that one. Don't run. Number two, this is, this, it's going to get better. Obviously, you're going to walk slowly away. That's going to work. That's going to work. Take it with you. 
These are experts. Number two, you're going to speak in soft, monotone voice. Hey there, little guy. I am not your prey. I'm not your prey. I'm not a salmon. Don't eat me. Soft, gentle with the bear. Number three, you, you know, when you're, actually, I left it out, but when you're being charged by a grizzly bear, do you know what you're supposed to do right here? This is what they say. You're going to curl up, talking in a soft tone. <laughs> you know, so here you are. You're like, you're walking. You know, here comes the bear. Oh, oh, he's charging me right now. Of course, no problem. I know exactly what to do. Hey, bear. Leave me alone, bear. You know, I know, I, I think you get the point. I'm kicking the dead horse or whatever, but it's just comedic, right? It's just absolutely hilarious. What's the last one? Try not to panic. <laughs> Remain as quiet as possible. You can almost see Jesus acting this way with the woman. Here comes Martha coming out of the kitchen like a grizzly bear. Where's my sister Mary? He'll tell her to help me. And Jesus is like with his disciples, don't move. Peter, get on the ground. Curl up. Now. Yeah, he kind of gets quiet. Martha. Martha. Kind of brings her down because the grizzly bear is coming out. Here's the point. What we're supposed to do when a grizzly bear comes is the, is the very opposite of what feels natural. What do you do when someone comes up on your tail Blasting her high beams, you slow down. You don't speed up and race around the corner because you're going to kill yourself. Let the person pass. What do you do when life feels crazy and life is pushing you hard? You don't try to outrun the grizzly bear. Some of us are living life trying to outrun a grizzly bear. Right now, you are running, and that thing is going to get you, whatever it is. That deadline, that fear, that worry, it's going to get you. It's not going to get you because you're not fast. It's going to get you because you're not slow enough. Watch this. What do we do? What does Jesus counsel us to do? You read the scriptures. Number one, slow down. It's counterintuitive, but slow down, sit down, and get quiet. That's how we soul check. Are you in need of a soul check? Slow down. I'll say it out loud. Slow down. Sit down, get quiet. But it's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard? See, people think they can't slow down because they're too busy. That's not true. It's not true. You know why you can't slow down? Because you have a bear on your tail and you're trying to outrun it. And you think that if you run faster, you're going to win. You are not going to win. You're in fight or flight. When you can't slow down, that's an indicator that you are in survival mode. And Jesus' counsel is take a soul check. Look inside. How do we do that? I got three things for you to do. Ready? Number one, how do you get in touch with your soul? Number one, ask yourself three questions. Ready? In a journal. You can write this in your journal at the top of the page and then reflect. Number one, how am I feeling physically? Pay attention to your breathing, your stomach, your shoulders. People carry their attention in their body. Number two, what is on my mind? How do I, and how do I feel about it? What, what, where does your mind wander to? Where does your mind go? Where, even if it's not where it should go, sometimes it tells us about what's really troubling us. Maybe sometimes our dreams tell us that. Um, what's on your mind and how do you feel about it is really important when you're doing a soul check. Number three, Step taking a soul check. God, ask God. God, how do you feel and think about this? Take time. Write out what you hear God saying to you. Open the scriptures and open up the Psalms. My favorite place to go when I'm anxious and feeling upside down are the Psalms. My favorite Psalm is Psalm 23. God, I am stressed out of my mind, God. I don't know where I'm going to get this sermon. What should I do? Soul check time. I go, to, I go to God's word. God, how do you feel about this? I am your shepherd. And I have everything you need. I'm the one who leads you beside peaceful streams and quiet waters. Or green pastures and quiet waters. 
I'm the one who renews your strength. I guide you along right paths to bring honor to my name. Man, when I got through those three, that, that first two verses, I was undone. I was so, in, I was in such a different mindset than when I went in on that walk. Third challenge, the, or I'm sorry, the third step is the challenge. So the first one is the reset. The second is the soul check. The third is the, the challenge. Jesus has got to challenge us, and we've got to be open to Jesus challenging us. He loves us, and he's so gentle with us, but he is going to challenge us. Watch how he challenges Martha, and open your heart and soul to Jesus' challenge for you tonight. Watch him challenge. He says, quote, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Now, in the, that's the NIV, but at the bottom of your Bibles, it might have this translation, but only one thing is needed. It is hard when we're stressed and upset and feeling busy for someone to say, no, you only have one thing that's needed. That's like almost offensive. If you were to tell me, you know, I'm so stressed, I'm so busy, I have so much, I don't have time to meet with God. I go, you only have one thing to do in life. You'd be like, what? Bro, you are on like a weird, spiritual, like hyper-spiritual plane that doesn't exist on earth. I mean, you would be offended. You would think I was irrelevant. You would think I was out of my mind. And now that's what Jesus is confronting this woman with, Martha. He's confronting her with this radical idea. Hey, look, it all comes back to one thing. When we are disintegrating, confused, upside down, disoriented, uncentered, it's all about coming back to one person to bring things back to perspective. Just one thing. And that's what Jesus is talking about right here. So he has two challenges for her. Okay, two challenges. The first is that there's only one thing needed. Jesus claims to be worthy of her undivided attention. Yeah, Martha, it's awesome. You're doing all this good stuff. But man, I didn't come here to help you launch a restaurant business. I'm here because I could see the hunger and the thirst in your soul for me. You know, a lot of us are doing a lot of good stuff. Good stuff, going to school, studying hard, exercising, taking care of our family. Others of us are doing good religious stuff, doing good spiritual things, things that are good, caring for people, taking care of the poor, looking out for people, volunteering here at the church, and all that is good. But sometimes we let the good things distract us from the one thing. We let good things distract us from the best thing, and that's Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am worthy of your undivided attention. I'm worthy of your best time. I'm worthy of your best. And Jesus had the audacity to make that claim, not just because of what it meant you would have to give to him because of what he knows it's going to mean for you. Come on now. Come on. We have so many reasons for not slowing down and being with God, and the last thing God wants is you motivated by guilt or shame, or anxiety. I gotta meet with God or I'm not a Christian. I mean, God's like, are you kidding me? You've just totally dismissed the whole point. It's not about that. It's not about performing for him. That's what Martha's doing. It's not about like, I gotta be there for Jesus. I gotta be there for him. I don't want him to feel like nobody loves him. You know, I gotta make sure nobody, that, you know, Pastor Benji is not there, the only one at the service. You know, I don't want him to be standing there alone. i got to be there so he feels like other people. That's not why he's here. And God draw, compels us and fires our life to do the things we do by his love for us. His love. And being in contact with that love is the most important thing and the only thing. The one thing that you and I need the most. More than we need anything else in life. The one thing you need most is to be connected to God. And if you're not a Christian, then this is the crazy thing that Jesus came to say that got him killed. That there's one thing in life, and it's not all the religious rituals that you've been doing. It's being connected to me. And Jesus had the, said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And that got him killed. More than anything in your life, you need to be connected to God. Listen to this. More than anything else in your life, what people need from you is you to be connected to God. 
your husband, your parents, your wife, your children, your boss, your coach, your teacher, your teammates need that more from you than they need anything else that you have to bring to the table. They need you to be full of God. They need the living water that you carry in your soul when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. That is what they need. Because you know what? I have been living long enough to know that my best is not good enough for the world's need. I don't have anything to offer to the world on my own. My best is not enough to offer to anyone, good enough for anyone. But maybe you haven't lived long enough. Maybe you just, you young 20-year-olds, come on now, people, woo! What's up, peeps? It's good to be young and have no back pain. Hallelujah. But maybe you haven't been around long enough and don't realize that your best is not going to be good enough. And I got good news for you guys. Ready? You ready for me? Come on, 20-year-old. Come on. Ready? Your best is never going to be good enough. Ever. Let's just go, hallelujah. Because if it was, it would all be on your shoulders. And thank God it's not. Listen to me. Your Joy in life, your satisfaction, your fulfillment of why you are here is not dependent on you doing the best you can with what you have. And Jesus knows that about Martha. That's why he's like, Martha, get out of the kitchen. Man, I can just take that crumb right there, and boom, we got a feast for ourselves. I don't need you to get all crazy. Just come and be with me, and when you get with Jesus, he fires your life with love. And a life propelled by that kind of love, that kind of rocket fuel, it does send us into the world to do good things. It does send us out to, on mission to people who don't know God, but you're taking God with you, not your sweet personality and your awesome six-pack. <laughs> so, I got to kick out that one. Is... I mean, look at Instagram. Come on. Can I just play for a second? This is not scripted. Can we just look at Instagram and Snapchat, man? It's like, world, don't worry. You're going to make it. Look at this, Snap. Look at this, low world, boom. You're going to be okay. Look at this right here. You know, I mean, you see the craziest photos on there. And it's like the world's going to die without a beautiful picture of us. Look, you, you probably maybe are beautiful. And, and it's not that we shouldn't be happy with who we are and how we're made. That's a good thing. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. But it's about knowing what you really have to offer to the world. And it starts with you being with God and getting filled with his love. When was the last time? Come on, let's get serious for a second. When was the last time you felt God's love for you? I mean felt it, you know? I'm not trying to be clever or rhetorical as a speaker. I'm going to speak from my soul right now. I'm just going to pour it out to you. You know, there was a time in my life where I was like, man, is what I know of God so good that I want everyone else to really have this too? Is it worth having? And there was a time when it wasn't true. I'm telling you the truth. I'd preach it. I'd talk it. It just wasn't here. I took, it was so serious. I took six months. I took a sabbatical. And my one thing was to lock myself in the guest house closet of a donor couple that said, you can use our guest house to meet with God. And I, I just went into their walk-in closet, just shut the door, and I just met with God, and I cried out to God because I just lost touch with him, you know? I just lost it. I just couldn't even tell you the last time I felt his love in my heart, that I felt his presence, you know? I couldn't tell you that, dude, I got to tell you about Jesus tonight because his love is so good. It's so good. I just can't. Stand that you wouldn't know that love. That's what fired me to, to tell my whole family about Jesus and see my dad and my brothers and my mom come to faith. It wasn't like, man, you, I got to do my religious duty. It was just this love in me that was like, how could I not tell my dad? How could I not tell him, even though he's super mad right now and veins are bulging because he's trying to tell me, don't talk to me about Jesus. I got to find some way to get to him. All right, that's my little thing. Jesus is worth wasting time on. Can I say that to you? Can I say that? Can we hear that? Jesus is worth you wasting time on. Doesn't it feel like that when you're with God sometimes? I mean, seriously, what are you doing right now? You're doing nothing productive. You're not making money. You're not advancing your reputation in your social media print. You're doing nothing. 
Oh, maybe you're not. I don't know. You could be. You're just sitting here wasting time, and that's the thing. God is worth wasting time on. That's when you know that you're connecting is when you're like, man, God, I really feel like I should do some emails, but I got to be with you. That's when you know you're getting to, you're, you're, you're gaining new ground with God. When you get that feeling of, am I wasting time? Am I being a little irresponsible? Shoot, I need to get with God, though. The second challenge is not just that he's worthy of it and not just that the world needs him in you, but the second challenge is this. You're, well, watch what he says to Mary. Martha comes out, and she's in a tirade, right? And she's like, Mary is leaving me alone in the kitchen. Have you ever felt a victim of someone else's choices in your life? Come on. Have you ever felt a victim? Of, like if, you know, if that person would have just done this or this, I wouldn't still be here at work. I wouldn't have to deal with these problems. Things would be better. And that's how Mary or Martha comes out. If Mary had come into the kitchen, I could be done and be out with everybody by now. But watch what Jesus says to her. Look at this, guys. Let's put the scripture up. Mary has chosen. Everyone say chosen. What is better? And it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, Mary, you are not a victim of circumstance or Mary's choices. You are a victim of what? Your choice. Mary has chosen better. And I'm not taking that from her. But you know what, Martha? You could choose that too. Don't get anxious and feel guilty. Oh, I'm not a good person. Dude, that is just like really avoidance, really, to be honest. It's avoidance of just the simple, the simple act of saying, man, God, I want to be with you more. Help me get there. And believing like, like what Jesus is saying to Martha, you're not a victim of circumstance. You're a victim of your choice. And that puts some agency in your hands. You can do something about that. It's your choice. You can choose something different. You can say, Jesus gosh, I just need to be with you, and I'm going to choose to sit with you right now for the next 20 minutes, for the, for the rest of the night. I remember one time my friends were going out to, to like, you know, go out to do a bunch of stuff when I was in college, and I was just feeling so distant from God, and I got this crazy idea. It was so crazy. I felt radical. I was like, you know, guys, go without me. I'm going to stay home. They're like, why? Why aren't you going? Ah, I don't feel well. I, just, I didn't want to tell them why, but as soon as they left, I went up in my room, and I just put worship music on. And just took time to, man, God, I miss you. I haven't been with you for a while. Maybe that's you. When was the last time you just spent time with, open-ended time with God with no boundary on it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, man, God, I'm gonna, I just want to be with you for a while. Can you imagine if you're on a date? Can you imagine? Come on, you're on a date and this person's like, yeah, hey, what's up? Hey, <laughs> so good. I'm so glad we're going out together. Oh, when's this thing over again? You know, you're just like, okay, not feeling super stoked. Imagine hanging out with a friend. You're pouring your heart out. And you, yeah, you're pouring your heart out. And your friend, you're like pouring your soul. You're having like the epiphany of your life. I mean, you're just like tears. You're just like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And your friend's like, You know, you would just be like, come on. <laughs> come on, God. Come on. You got eternity, I don't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want to invite the band to come on up. Hey, band, let's get into this song. You have a choice. You're not a victim. And here's the thing. I feel like tonight is a space for you to hit a soul, hit the pause button, do a soul check, because that's what these guys are creating this space for. It's a space for you to look inside and connect with God and his love for you and his truth for your life, which is why we come here every week, so that you can reset the pace and the tone of your life every other day of the week, Monday through Saturday. You can hit that reset. So you can look where your life is being driven by forces and emotions and agendas that are not holy from God, that got you pushing and screaming on the corners instead of 
quieting yourself and hearing what God has to say to you. Maybe some of you guys, man, you've never heard God's voice before. You've never connected with that love. You didn't know that this was really what it means to follow Jesus. It's about connecting to the love of his Father for you. The scripture says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that all who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Following Jesus is not doing about, about doing a bunch of religious stuff. It's about coming in contact, permanent contact with the love of God for you. And then living a life that is energized by that kind of love. That's it right there. The one thing you need tonight is to connect with your Father in heaven. You're not a slave. You are not a slave to your boss. You are not a slave to that person who's holding something over your head emotionally. You are a child of God. You're not a slave to things that happened in the past, to the anxiety that creeps up on you at night. You're not a slave to depression. You are not a slave to what someone did to you a long time ago that still haunts you. You are a son and daughter of God. Come on, Martha, just... Just put that stuff down and just sit at my feet and let me fill you with my love. To go into this song, I just want to invite you to open your heart to God and let him pour his love into you. Tell him where you're troubled and ask him to speak to your soul right now. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those such a beautiful scene, Jesus inviting Martha to make a different choice in her life, and that's the idea of repentance, to change your mind. I just feel like there's some of us in this room that make a major change of how we've been seeing God, not as a religious taskmaster, but as a loving Father who is waiting to bring us into the gentle, humble embrace of His love for us. And maybe you've never accepted Jesus as Savior of your life, as leader of your life, as the one who resets the tone of your soul, who helps you check your soul and challenges you to live the life you could never live by your own strength, but by his. If you've never done that, you've never, like, experienced God filling your soul. It is awesome. I just would be a fool if I didn't give you a chance. And if that's you, I just want to ask you to do something kind of crazy. Just stand up wherever you're sitting. Say, you know, I'm willing to be honest that that's what I need. God loves that kind of honesty like Martha. She comes out, man, I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy with what's going on here. And Jesus is like, good. Let's deal with it. Maybe that's you. And you'd like to let God into your life. 
We'd like to let him into your troubles, into your soul. Do something reckless and crazy and just stand up wherever you're sitting. And you know what? We're not going to wisp you off to a mothership, to Benji's mothership. We're just going to pray for you. It's going to be that simple. But it's going to be powerful, and it's going to change your life. If that's you, stand up wherever you're at. I'm going to pray for you. If anyone here that wants to do that. And then there's people who, yeah, all right, I see you. Amen. Come on, let's give a round of applause to her. Come on. Ooh, man, God loves that kind of stuff. Anyone else want to join her? Some of you, remain standing for a second because more are coming. There's some of you guys who have some troubles and you need to let Jesus in. And right now it's like, man, Jesus is trying to reset your heart. You need a place. You have a place where Jesus wants to reset your life. Stand up right now. Come on. Say, Jesus, I'm going to let you in right now. Come into this troubled place. Bring your gentleness into this place. Bring your kindness. Bring your love. Bring your peace. And if that's you, let's just join her and stand and say, you know what? I got a place that I need to let Jesus into. That's why we're here, right? We're not here just to get, get it done, to pay our tithe of time. We're here to open our soul to God. You know, a moment can change our life. You plant one seed, and that seed has the potential to grow into something so big. And God is doing that with this church. He's planting you like a seed in this community, and you're going to become something so much more than what you see in this room. Come on. And that's happening in your lives right now, individually, right now. As you stand, it says in the Bible, if you will acknowledge me, listen to this. If you will acknowledge me before men and women, I will acknowledge you before my Father and the heavenly angels. When you stand for God on earth before men and women, are not ashamed to say, God, I need you. God, I need you. And you're not ashamed to admit that. Man, watch out. Heaven is moving on your behalf. God can't resist that kind of humility. He cannot resist that kind of honesty. He cannot resist it. It's his weakness. It's his Achilles heel, and it put him on the cross. All right, if you're sitting next to someone who's standing, stand and put a gentle hand on the shoulder. Come on now. Let's get a hand on the shoulder. You see someone standing? Get a hand on the shoulder. Woo. Okay. If you're standing, we're going to want you just to pray this simple prayer. You ready? Simple prayer. Just say out loud, Jesus. Okay, say it again. Jesus, I open my soul to you. I give you unrestricted access to every room in my soul, every memory in my life, every second of my day. The things that I hold most dear, I give it to you. You are worthy. And you earn this place in my life through your death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead for me. Okay, ready? Okay, what's this all? If you're standing with them, let's just start praying for God's love to fill their heart right now. Let's just pray for the Holy Spirit to minister the heavenly Father's love to their spirit. God, we bless them. We start praying. I just pray a gentle, simple prayer like, God, I just bless them with your love. It could be really simple. God, I bless them with your love. I bless them with your peace. I bless them with your grace. Just, yeah, those kinds of prayers. Really simple, gentle. Holy Spirit, come and minister the love of the Father right now to every heart that's opening to you right now. I pray for the wellsprings of the Holy Spirit to well up in their heart and soul. I pray for the Spirit to come into those who've accepted you for the first time. I bless you to receive the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in your soul right now. And may just a sense of God's acceptance of you, His delight in you, 
begin to settle on your thoughts and on your heart and soul right now. In Jesus' name, come on. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us up. Fill this room. Fill every ache. Fill every void. Fill every fear of the future. Fill every place of uncertainty, every regret from the past, every pain from our childhood, every wound from those we've loved. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill those places. Release us to waste time in the Father's presence again. You are worthy, God. You are so worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen.